The Other Now by Murray Leinster. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Matt Perard. The Other Now by Murray Leinster. He knew his wife was dead because he'd seen her buried, but it was only one possibility out of infinitely many. It was self-evident nonsense. If Jimmy Patterson had told anybody but Haynes, calm men in white jackets would have taken him away for psychiatric treatment, which undoubtedly would have been effective. He'd have been restored to sanity and common sense, and he'd probably have died of it. So to anyone who liked Jimmy and Jane, it is good that things worked out as they did. The facts are patently impossible, but they are satisfying. Haynes, though, would like very much to know exactly why it happened, in the case of Jimmy and Jane, and nobody else. There must have been some specific reason, but there's absolutely no clue to it. It began about three months after Jane was killed in that freak accident. Jimmy had taken her death hard. This night seemed no different from any other. He came home just as usual, and his throat tightened a little, just as usual, as he went up to the door. It was still intolerable to know that Jane wouldn't be waiting for him. The hurt in his throat was a familiar sensation which he was doggedly hoping would go away but it was extra strong to-night, and he wondered rather desperately if he'd sleep, or, if he did, whether he would dream. Sometimes he had dreams of Jane, and was happy until he woke up, and then he wanted to cut his throat. But he wasn't at that point to-night, not yet. As he explained it to Haynes later, he simply put his key in the door and opened it, and started to walk in. But he kicked the door instead so he absently put his key in the door and opened it and started to walk in yes that is what happened he was halfway through before he realized he stared blankly the door looked perfectly normal he closed it behind him feeling queer he tried to reason out what had happened then he felt a slight draught the door wasn't shut it was wide open he had to close it again that was all that happened to mark this night off from any other and there is no explanation why it happened began rather this night instead of another jimmy went to bed with a taut feeling he'd had the conviction that he opened the door twice the same door then he had the conviction that he had had to close it twice he'd heard of that feeling queer but no doubt commonplace he slept blessedly without dreams he woke next morning and found his muscles tense that was an acquired habit before he opened his eyes every morning he reminded himself that jane wasn't beside him it was necessary if he forgot and turned contentedly to emptiness the ache of being alive when jane wasn't was unbearable this morning he lay with his eyes closed to remind himself, and instead found himself thinking about that business of the door. He kicked the door between the two openings, so it wasn't only an illusion of repetition. He was puzzling over that repetition after closing the door, when he found he had to close it again. That proved to him it wasn't a standard mental vagary. It looked like a delusion, but his memory insisted that 
it had happened that way whether it was possible or not frowning he went out and got his breakfast at a restaurant and rode to work work was blessed because he had to think about it the main trouble was that sometimes something turned up which jane would have been amused to hear and he had to remind himself that there was no use making a mental note to tell her jane was dead Today he thought a good deal about the door but when he went home he knew that he was going to have a black night he wouldn't sleep and oblivion would seem infinitely tempting because the ache of being alive when jane wasn't was horribly tedious and he could not imagine an end to it to-night would be a very bad one indeed he opened the door and started in he went crashing into the door he stood still for an instant and then fumbled for the lock but the door was open he'd opened it there hadn't been anything for him to run into yet his forehead hurt where he bumped into the door which wasn't closed at all there was nothing he could do about it though he went in he hung up his coat he sat down wearily he filled his pipe and grimly faced a night that was going to be one of the worst he struck a match and lighted his pipe and put the match in an ash tray and he glanced in the tray there were the stubs of cigarettes in it jane's brand freshly smoked he touched them with his fingers they were real then a furious anger filled him maybe the cleaning woman had had the intolerable insolence to smoke jane's cigarettes he got up and stormed through the house raging as he searched for signs of further impertinence he found none he came back seething to his chair the ashtray was empty and there'd been nobody around to empty it it was logical to question his own sanity and the question gave him a sort of grim cheer the matter of the recurrent oddities could be used to fight the abysmal depression ahead he tried to reason them out and always they added up to delusions only but he kept his mind resolutely on the problem work during the day was a godsend sometimes he was able to thrust aside for whole half-hours the fact that jane was dead now he grappled relievedly with the question of his sanity or lunacy he went to the desk where jane had kept her household accounts he'd set the whole thing down on paper and examine it methodically checking this item against that jane's diary lay on the desk blotter with a pencil between two of its pages he picked it up with a tug of dread some day he might read it an absurd chronicle jane had never offered him but not now not now that was when he realized that it shouldn't be here his hands jumped and it fell open he saw jane's angular writing and it hurt he closed it quickly aching all over but the printed date at the top of the page registered on his brain even as he snapped the cover shut he sat still for minutes every muscle taut it was a long time before he opened the book again and by that time he had a perfectly reasonable explanation it must be that jane hadn't restricted herself to assigned spaces when she had something extra to write she wrote it on past the page allotted for a given date of course jimmy fumbled back to the last written page where the pencil had been with a tense matter-of-factness it was as he'd noticed today's date the page was filled the writing was fresh it was jane's handwriting 
went to the cemetery said the sprawling letters it was very bad three months since the accident and it doesn't get any easier i'm developing a personal enmity to chance it doesn't seem like an abstraction any more it was chance that killed jimmy it could have been me instead or neither of us i wish jimmy went quietly mad for a moment or two when he came to himself he was staring at an empty desk-blotter there wasn't any book before him there wasn't any pencil between his fingers he remembered picking up the pencil and writing desperately under jane's entry jane he'd written and he could remember the look of his scrawled script under jane's where are you i'm not dead i thought you were in god's name where are you but certainly nothing of the sort could have happened it was delusion that night was particularly bad but curiously not as bad as some other nights had been jimmy had a normal man's horror of insanity yet this wasn't so to speak normal insanity a lunatic has always an explanation for his delusions jimmy had none he noted the fact next morning he bought a small camera with a flashbulb attachment and carefully memorized the directions for its use this was the thing that would tell the story and that night when he got home as usual after dark he had the camera ready he unlocked the door and opened it he put his hand out tentatively the door was still closed he stepped back and quickly snapped the camera there was a sharp flash of the bulb the glare blinded him but when he put out his hand again the door was open he stepped into the living-room without having to unlock and open it a second time he looked at the desk as he turned the film and put in a new flashbulb it was as empty as he'd left it in the morning he hung up his coat and settled down tensely with his pipe presently he knocked out the ashes there were cigarette butts in the tray he quivered a little he smoked again carefully not looking at the desk it was not until he knocked out the second pipeful of ashes that he let himself look where jane's diary had been it was there again the book was open there was a ruler laid across it to keep it open jimmy wasn't frightened and he wasn't hopeful there was absolutely no reason why this should happen to him he was simply desperate and grim when he went across the room he saw yesterday's entry and his own hysterical message and there was more writing beyond that in jane's hand darling maybe i'm going crazy but i think you wrote me as if you were alive maybe i'm crazy to answer you but please darling if you are alive somewhere and somehow there was a tear blot here the rest was frightened and tender and as desperate as jimmy's own sensations he wrote with trembling fingers before he put the camera into position and pressed the shutter control for the second time. When his eyes recovered from the flash, there was nothing on the desk. He did not sleep at all that night, nor did he work the next day. He went to a photographer with the film and paid an extravagant fee to have the film developed and enlarged at once. He got back two prints quite distinct, even very clear, considering everything one looked like a trick shot showing a door twice once open and once closed in the same photograph the other was a picture of an open book 
and he could read every word on its pages it was inconceivable that such a picture should have come out he walked around practically at random for a couple of hours looking at the pictures from time to time pictures or no pictures the thing was nonsense the facts were preposterous it must be that he only imagined seeing these prints but there was a quick way to find out he went to haines haines was his friend and reluctantly a lawyer reluctantly because law practice interfered with a large number of unlikely hobbies haines said jimmy quietly i want you to look at a couple of pictures and see if you see what i do i may have gone out of my head he passed over the picture of the door it looked to jimmy like two doors nearly at right angles in the same door frame and hung from the same hinges haines looked at it and said tolerantly didn't know you went in for trick photography he picked up a reading glass and examined it in detail a futile but highly competent job you covered half the film and exposed with the door closed and then exposed for the other half of the film with the door open a neat job of matching though you've a good tripod i held the camera in my hand said jimmy with restraint you couldn't do it that way jimmy objected haines don't try to kid me i'm trying not to fool myself said jimmy he was very pale he handed over the other enlargement what do you see in this haines looked then he jumped he read through what was so plainly photographed on the pages of a diary that hadn't been before the camera then he looked at jimmy in palpable uneasiness got any explanation asked jimmy he swallowed i haven't any he told what had happened to date baldly and without any attempt to make it reasonable haines gaped at him but before long the lawyer's eyes grew shrewd and compassionate as noted hitherto he had a number of unlikely hobbies among which was a loud insistence on a belief in a fourth dimension and other esoteric ideas because it was good fun to talk authoritatively about them but he had common sense had haines and a good and varied law practice presently he said gently if you want it straight jimmy i had a client once she accused a chap of beating her up it was very pathetic she was absolutely sincere she really believed it but her own family admitted that she'd made the marks on herself and the doctors agreed that she'd unconsciously blotted it out of her mind afterward you suggest said jimmy composedly that i might have forged all that to comfort myself with as soon as i could forget the forging i don't think that's the case haines what possibilities does that leave haines hesitated a long time he looked at the pictures again scrutinizing especially the one that looked like a trick shot this is an amazingly good job of matching he said wryly i can't pick the place where the two exposures join some people might manage to swallow this and the theoretic explanation is a lot better the only trouble is that it couldn't happen jimmy waited haines went on awkwardly the accident in which jane was killed you were in your car you came up behind a truck carrying structural steel there was a long slim girder sticking way out behind with a red rag on it the truck had air brakes the driver jammed them on just after he'd passed over a bit of wet pavement 
the truck stopped your car slid even the brakes locked it's nonsense jimmy i'd rather you continued said jimmy white you ran into the truck your car swinging a little as it slid the garter came through the windshield it could have hit you it could have missed both of you by pure chance it happened to hit jane and killed her said jimmy very quietly yes but it might have been me that diary entry is written as if it had been me did you notice there was a long pause in haines office the world outside the windows was highly prosaic and commonplace and normal haines wriggled in his chair i think he said unhappily you did the same as my girl client forged that writing and then forgot it have you seen a doctor yet i will said jimmy systematize my lunacy for me first haines if it can be done it's not accepted science said haines in fact it's considered eyewash but there have been speculations he grimaced first point is that it was pure chance that jane was hit it was just as likely to be you instead or neither of you if it had been you jane said jimmy would be living in our house alone and she might very well have written that entry in the diary yes agreed haines uncomfortably i shouldn't suggest this but there are a lot of possible futures we don't know which one will come about for us nobody except fatalists can argue with that statement when today was in the future there were a lot of possible todays the present moment now is only one of any number of nows that might have been so it's been suggested mind you this isn't accepted science but pure charlatanry it's been suggested that there may be more than one actual now before the girder actually hit there were three nows in the possible future one in which neither of you was hit one in which you were hit and one he paused embarrassed so some people would say how do we know that the one in which jane was hit is the only now they'd say that the others could have happened and that maybe they did jimmy nodded if that were true he said detachedly jane would be in a present moment a now where it was me who was killed as i'm in a now where she was killed is that it hans shrugged jimmy thought and said gravely thanks queer isn't it he picked up the two pictures and went out haines was the only one who knew about the affair and he worried but it is not easy to denounce someone as insane when there is no evidence that he is apt to be dangerous he did go to the trouble to find out that jimmy acted in a reasonably normal manner working industriously and talking quite sanely in the daytime only haines suspected that of nights he went home and experienced the impossible sometimes haines suspected that the impossible might be the fact that that had been an amazingly good bit of trick photography but it was too preposterous also there was no reason for such a thing to happen to jimmy for a week after haines's pseudo-scientific explanation however 
Jimmy was almost light-hearted. He no longer had to remind himself that Jane was dead. He had evidence that she wasn't. She wrote to him in the diary, which he found on her desk, and he read her messages and wrote in return. For a full week, the sheer joy of simply being able to communicate with each other was enough. The second week was not so good. To know that Jane was alive was good, but to be separated from her without hope was not. There was no meaning in a cosmos in which one could only write love letters to one's wife or husband in another now which only might have been but for a while both jimmy and jane tried to hide this new hopelessness from each other jimmy explained this carefully to haines before it was all over their letters were tender and very natural and presently there was even time for gossip and actual bits of choice scandal haines met jimmy on the street one day after about two weeks jimmy looked better but he was drawn very fine though he greeted haines without constraint haines felt awkward after a little he said uh jimmy that matter we were talking about the other day those photographs yes you were right said jimmy casually jane agrees there is more than one now in the now i'm in jane was killed in the now she's in i was killed haines fidgeted would you let me see that picture of the door again he asked a trick film like that simply can't be perfect i'd like to enlarge that picture a little more may i you can have the film said jimmy i don't need it any more haines hesitated jimmy quite matter-of-factly told him most of what had happened to date but he had no idea what had started it haines almost wrung his hands the thing can't be he said desperately you have to be crazy jimmy but he would not have said that to a man whose sanity he really suspected jimmy nodded jane told me something by the way did you have a near accident night before last somebody almost ran into you out on the sawmill road haines started and went pale i went around a curve and a car plunged out of nowhere on the wrong side of the road we both swung hard he smashed my fender and almost went off the road himself but he went racing off without stopping to see if i'd gone in the ditch and killed myself if i'd been five feet nearer the curb when he came out of it where jane is said jimmy you were just about five feet nearer the curb it was a bad smash tony shields was in the other car it killed him where jane is haines licked his lips it was absurd but he said how about me where jane is jimmy told him you're in the hospital haines swore in unreasonable irritation there wasn't any way for jimmy to know about that near accident he hadn't mentioned it because he'd no idea who'd been in the other car i don't believe it but he said pleadingly jimmy it isn't so is it how in hell could you account for it jimmy shrugged jane and i were rather fond of each other the understatement was so patent that he smiled faintly chance separated us the feeling we have for each other draws us together there is a saying about two people becoming one flesh if such a thing could happen it would be jane and me 
after all maybe only a tiny pebble or a single extra drop of water made my car swerve enough to get her killed where i am that is that's a very little thing so with such a trifle separating us and so much pulling us together why sometimes the barrier wears thin she leaves a door closed in the house where she is i open that same door where i am sometimes i have to open the door she left closed too that's all haines didn't say a word but the question he wouldn't ask was so self-evident that jimmy answered it we're hoping he said it's pretty bad being separated but the phenomena keep up so we hope her diary is sometimes in the now where she is and sometimes in this now of mine cigarette butts too maybe that was the only time he showed any sign of emotion he spoke as if his mouth were dry if ever i'm in her now or she's in mine even for an instant all the devils in hell couldn't separate us again we hope which was insanity in fact it was the third week of insanity he told haines quite calmly that jane's diary was on her desk every night and there was a letter to him in it and he wrote one to her he said quite calmly that the barrier between them seemed to be growing thinner that at least once when he went to bed he was sure that there was one more cigarette stub in the ash-tray than had been there earlier in the evening they were very near indeed they were separated only by the difference between what was and what might have been in one sense the difference was a pebble or a drop of water in another the difference was that between life and death but they hoped they convinced themselves that the barrier grew thinner once it seemed to jimmy that they touched hands but he was not sure he was still sane enough not to be sure and he told all this to haines in a matter-of-fact fashion and speculated mildly on what had started it all then one night haines called jimmy on the telephone jimmy answered he sounded impatient jimmy said haines he was almost hysterical i think i'm insane you know you said tony shields was in the car that hit me yes said jimmy politely what's the matter it's been driving me crazy wailed haines feverishly you said he was killed there but i hadn't told a soul about the incident so so just now i broke down and phoned him and it was tony shields that near crash scared him to death and i gave him hell and he's paying for my fender i didn't tell him he was killed jimmy didn't answer it didn't seem to matter to him i'm coming over said haines feverishly i've got to talk no said jimmy jane and i are pretty close to each other we've touched each other again we're hoping the barriers wearing through we hope it's going to break but it can't protested haines shocked at the idea of improbabilities in the preposterous it it can't would it happen if you turned up where she is or or if she turned up here i don't know said jimmy but we'd be together you're crazy you mustn't good-bye said jimmy politely i'm hoping haines 
something has to happen it has to his voice stopped there was a noise in the room behind him haines heard it only two words and those faintly and over a telephone but he swore to himself that it was jane's voice throbbing with happiness the two words haines thought he heard were jimmy darling then the telephone crashed to the floor and haines heard no more even though he called back frantically again jimmy didn't answer haines sat up all that night practically gibbering and he tried to call jimmy again next morning and then he tried his office and at last went to the police he explained to them that jimmy had been in a highly nervous state since the death of his wife so finally the police broke into the house they had to break in because every door and window was carefully fastened from the inside as if jimmy had been very careful to make sure nobody could interrupt what he and jane hoped would occur but jimmy wasn't in the house there was no trace of him it was exactly as if he had vanished into the air ultimately the police dragged pawns and such things for his body but they never found any clues nobody ever saw jimmy again it was recorded that jimmy simply left town and everybody accepted that obvious explanation the thing that really bothered haines was the fact that jimmy had told him who'd almost crashed into him on the sawmill road and it was true that was to understate hard to take and there was the double exposure picture of jimmy's front door which was much more convincing than any other trick picture haines had ever seen but on the other hand if it did happen why did it happen only to jimmy and jane what set it off what started it why in effect did those oddities start at that particular time to those particular people in that particular fashion in fact did anything happen at all now after jimmy's disappearance haines wished he could talk with him once more talk sensibly quietly without fear and hysteria and this naggingly demanding wonderment for he had sketched to jimmy and jimmy had accepted hadn't he the possibility of the other now but with that acceptance came still others in one jane was dead in one jimmy was dead it was between these two that the barrier had grown so thin if he could talk to jimmy about it there was also a now in which both had died and another in which neither had died and if it was togetherness that each wanted so desperately which was it these were things that haines would have liked very much to know but he kept his mouth shut or calm men in white coats would have come and taken him away for treatment as they would have taken jimmy the only thing really sure was that it was all impossible but to someone who liked jimmy and jane and doubtless to jimmy and to jane themselves no matter which barrier had been broken it was a rather satisfying impossibility haines car had been repaired he could easily have driven out to the cemetery for some reason he never did end of the other now by murray leinster